Hey, this is the Thrive Church Podcast. Our hope is this message will help you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to have you join us on a Sunday soon. Enjoy the message. The title of my message is Scorekeeper. Scorekeeper. Do you know someone who is like a stats person when it comes to sports? Like, they just, like, if, if it's like hockey, they know the stats. Like, you, you, yeah, like, Natalie's dad is totally like this. My dad is totally like this. Like, I'll walk into the room and say, Dad, what's the score on the game? He'll be like, oh, it's like 3-2 for the Flames. Go Flames. That's just a pro, like, that's a declaration of faith, not how they're actually doing. But, uh, you know, it'd be like 3-2 for the Flames, but there's this many shots lost, this many penalties. Last game before, they didn't really show up. They did this wrong they did that wrong, right? He's a stats guy. He remembers like how many shots there were, how many errors, and then you'll be like, yeah, and there were like this many missed opportunities that they didn't capitalize on. Do you know anybody like that? Like maybe if you're watching the Super Bowl this this afternoon, which I didn't realize he was even on, but if you're watching the Super Bowl this afternoon afternoon or getting those text updates as you're at pizza with the pastors, um, as you're as you're there, uh, maybe you know someone who would be sitting beside you telling you all the stats of the game, telling you all the stats of the player, how many mistakes there are. They just remember, right? They remember the score. They remember the stats. And I think at times we can approach our relationships in our lives like this by keeping score in our relationships with our spouse maybe with our friends colleagues maybe even parents where we keep score they've let me down this many times that person has hurt me and i can list the ways of how they messed up so many times or they always do this They always do this, right? We can keep score. I think it's easy and maybe even like human default mode um, uh, to hold on to what wrongs have been done against us and what disappointments and hurts that others have done to us. We can score keep. Have you ever done that? I know I have. And, you know, maybe in, in like arguments, Those stats, you could be as quick as the person who knows their hockey stats. Those stats come up so fast of like how they hurt you, what they did last time, what they didn't do last time. Or maybe you don't like confrontation, so you don't bring up the stats, but you just think about them. You never talk about them, but you think about the stats. This person did this, and each time they do it, you're like, another one another miss, or they did that again to me, another hurt, and we can hold score and keep score, being scorekeepers in our relationships. And you know, as a scorekeeper in the relationships, you could be just thinking, you're holding on to the score of how many times they've done that to you, or what they've done wrong, but you're actually holding something else as you do this. You're holding unforgiveness. You're holding unforgiveness. Now, In a sports team, it is important to keep a score because to get to the championship, there has to be a winner. There has to be a loser. To keep score, you have to keep score because why? Because there's an opponent that two teams are facing off. However, God did not design relationships, your marriage, friendships, relationships with parents, or maybe even relationships with your kid to be on opposing teams. You only need score if you're facing someone, opposing someone. 
but you're actually, God has designed relationships to be on the same team. We're actually supposed to be working together as a team towards the same goal. And we talked about that last week. That is Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, he says this uh, in verse 10. I appeal you, uh, to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no division in the church. Rather, be one mind united in thought and purpose. God has designed the relationship we have with your spouse, with your friends, with family members, even with co-workers to be on the same team. Not working against them, but actually going towards the same goal, the prize. Even if they're not Christian, you might say, Josiah, how can they be on the same team? They're not even Christian. I should hold things on to them, uh, against them. But know what? That's just they haven't joined the team yet. Your goal is actually to help them along. They're just maybe not as far along in the process. But know what? Jesus actually wants everyone to be saved, to know him, to be a part of the team. And I think we need to treat people like that as well. You know, if we keep score of what's done wrong, know what a scorekeeper does? They take themselves out of the game, right? Instead of being in the game, trying to help those around you win or thrive and flourish, reach the goal, reach that goal that God has for. Instead, we take ourselves out of the game if we score keep and we watch. Oh, there's another miss. Oh, they, they did that again to me. And we can wait instead of trying to help them, trying to do what, what God has said for us to bear one another's burdens, to, to really walk alongside, we can instead just be waiting there, looking at score, and waiting for that person to mess up. You know what I mean? Like waiting for Josiah not to load the dishwasher, even though it's dirty, uh, and like they're dirty dishes. That's a, that's a silly one, but it's true. I'm working on it. Dishwasher was loaded when you came home. All right. She does not keep score. Natalie's amazing. But not only keeping score of the wrongs others have done, uh, it, it is, what it actually does is you're trying to take the position of a scorekeeper. That's, like there's already someone who's in the position of scorekeeper. There's already someone in the position, if you will, of judge. The position of scorekeeper um, that, that you can try and take by holding on to hurts, disappointments, is actually already taken. The scorekeeper is God, actually. And the score that God has been saying for every single one is grace, is forgiveness, is the score that, every, that God says for everyone is Jesus. So when he looks at he's not actually saying they messed up this many times, they screwed up this many times. No, he says grace. He says forgiveness. Who's the scorekeeper in every single person's life? It is God. Who is another way to say it? Who is the judge in everyone's life? It is God, and he's already made a judgment. He says, forgiven. He says, Jesus. He sees the blood. When we, when we hold on to what others have done to us, we're actually trying to take on the role that God himself actually has, and that is the scorekeeper, the judge. You know, people aren't our opposition at all, right? Uh, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12 says this, We are not fighting against flesh and blood, uh, flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of darkness, uh, uh, 
powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. No, your enemy is not your husband, your wife. Your enemy is not your friends. Your enemy is not that uncle. Your enemy isn't your parent. Your enemy is not your coworker. Your enemy isn't even your boss. They're actually, God has designed them to be running the race with you as a teammate. If they're Christians, that means they're actually part of the same body of Christ. That, that each part moving, adding something else. It doesn't work well if my, if my fist decides I'm not on the same team as my face and starts punt, right? That doesn't work out that well. We're on the same team. You know, in order to thrive in relationships, we can't be scorekeepers. Holding on to the things that people have done to us, the hurts, the betrayals, those unmet expectations. In order to thrive in relationships, we need to do this. We need to forgive. We need to forgive. In order to thrive in relationships, we need to forgive. Colossians 3.12 says this. Since God chose you to be holy people uh, he loves, you must clothe yourself in tender mercies and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts, for as members of one body are called to live in peace and always be thankful. As followers of Christ, we're called not to be scorekeepers, but instead teammates, helping those around us thrive. Because God is actually the scorekeeper, and he's already made a final ruling, and he says grace, he says forgiveness, he says what Jesus has done has paid the price. You know, when, when God forgave us, you know, God forgave us, and we didn't get what we deserved, Right? We didn't get what we deserved. And what we did get, we didn't deserve either. It was because of forgiveness, because of Jesus, because of what he's paid. And know what? Maybe that person, quite honestly, let's be real. Life is real. Relationships are messy. And maybe that person does not deserve to be forgiven. Maybe that person who did that to you, who really hurt you, maybe they don't deserve to be forgiven. But know what? Neither did you and I. It's because of God and his mercy, his love, and his grace that we're forgiven. You know, God says that as far in Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west, so he's moved our transgressions from us or our sin from us. That, that really, maybe though that person doesn't deserve it, but neither did you and I. And we're not asked to, to forgive people by what they deserve. We're asked to forgive them on the merit of what Jesus has done to us. Because we've been shown forgiveness, because we've shown, been shown mercy and grace, now we are called to do that to others. And it's not just, just to do it because, well, that's what God says. It actually causes your relationship to thrive and to flourish when you extend that forgiveness, extend that grace, extend that mercy. In order to thrive in your relationships uh, the way God has designed, we need to be quick to forgive and not be scorekeepers. Uh, and if we're honest, man, it's hard sometimes to forgive, right? There's some things that are easy, like when I don't take the, the chicken out of the freezer, even though Natalie called me about it, texted me about it, it's easy to forgive. It's easy to forgive, right? Okay, it's easy to forgive. 
But there are some real things that happen that people maybe intentionally or maybe not intentionally have done, and it's hard. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to forgive and, and look at that situation. It, it makes perfect sense to hold on to it. It makes perfect sense to keep score. It makes perfect sense to, inv- uh, to, to just like shout it from the rooftop of the score. But God says to forgive. Why? Have you ever done that? Why? Like, God, this is hard. Why do you want me to do this? Why should I do this? Because sometimes it feels better. You ever found that? It feels better not to forgive. Like, in the moment, it's like, ah, I just, it feels better to hold on to this. Hold on to this. So why? I think the first one is, as Christ followers, as Christians, God has forgiven us. And so we're, we need to be like Christ, like Christ ones, little Christ ones. So we need to forgive because God has forgiven us. The second one is because unforgiveness is a poison to your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. And it is a poison to your relationships. When, when you hold on to unforgiveness, scorekeeping, it is a poison to your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And it is a poison to your relationships. Unforgiveness really is a seed of destruction in that relationship. In, in a marriage, unforgiveness is a seed of destruction. In a friendship, unforgiveness is a seed of destruction. With family members, unforgiveness is a seed of destruction. Even in a job setting, co-worker setting, it is a seed of unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness does this. It produces bitterness in your heart. And bitterness leads to resentment. And then from resentment, what happens is that resentment produces action out of that resentment. So that then you're moving forward, you're, you're acting out of that resentment, that bitterness that you have inside of you. You know, in my neighborhood, it's, uh, it's an older neighborhood, so we have like these really nice big trees. Like these nice big trees, they're so nice to, to look at uh, and, and nice uh, in the shade, all that, but... My lawn in my backyard is so bumpy. It's so bumpy. Why? Because these wonderful, beautiful trees, the roots are underneath, and it's all over, and it's made this lawn sort of destroyed, and I fight against it every year. It is a pain in the butt. Now, some of my other neighbors, they have trees planted really close to their foundation of their house, and right beside their driveway. And what happens is these trees grow so big that eventually the roots go underneath that driveway. And what do you see on the surface? Cracks. Because the root underneath starts pushing up, pressing against. That the root against the house, they've actually talked to one of my neighbors. He has foundation issues. Why? Because the root is pushing against, putting pressure on the foundation, on what they've built their whole life around, their life savings in this house. This root is pushing into the foundations and causing issues with the foundation. And, and they're like paying out, like they're paying so much money to get that fixed than having to deal with the tree because there's pressure on the foundation because of that root. Now those massive trees uh, producing issues in my neighborhood, know what they all started out as? A seed. Or maybe they started out uh, as one of those little seedling trees that you, you get in school and they plant and you just, you just put it there. And then what happens is over time, 
time, some sun, some water. They just start growing. And eventually, that seed or the little seedling, oh, cute little tree, it doesn't look too harmless. Then it starts taking root. And then over time, those roots start to expand. Those roots start to creep against the foundation, creep under the paved driveway. And then over time, it starts to crack. It starts to put pressure. Uh, those, those seeds put out roots, and those roots go forward and produce. The root of the problem, no pun intended, started with a seed. You know, my neighbor's driveway and their foundation really could represent the relationships you have in your life and your heart. And someone hurts you. They hurt you and it's real. It, it, it hurts. And so it's like taking that seed or that little seedling tree, putting it there, and then you pat it down with some unforgiveness, right? You keep it planted there. And then over time, maybe you decide because they, it is a real thing, it hurts. So then you, you hold that unforgiveness and you start talking about You water it, right? You start talking about how this person has hurt you, what they've done. You keep watering it. You think about it all the time. And eventually what happens is that seed then turns into bitterness. It puts down roots. It puts down roots and now it's there and some bitterness where you're bitter against that person. You're bitter against uh, what they've doing, right? And, you, and, you, and it starts to slowly creep under or creep towards that foundation of your relationship. It starts to slowly creep under underneath the scene. Maybe you don't see anything right now, but it starts to creep under and eventually it goes under, it takes root, and that root will call bitterness. And Hebrews 12, 15 says this. Uh, Look after each other so that none of you, fall, of you uh, fails to receive the grace of God. Which, uh, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now bitterness will then start to creep under. And start to go under your relationships to the foundation. And, it's, and then it starts to undermine right? It starts to undermine uh, trust. It starts to undermine communication. You know, how you talk to maybe your spouse or your friend is different now. Why? Because of that root of bitterness. And then after a while, that bitterness will turn into resentment, where you maybe push them away a little bit, right? The pressure against that, the, the walls, the pressure against the foundation, the pressure from underneath to that driveway, you start to feel that pressure and that just everything that they do tweaks. Like it's like, Ugh! every little thing they do, it's like before there was like a couple buttons that if they pushed, it was like, okay. But now it's like everything that they do is just, Ugh! I'm frustrated. You get mad and and those little things that, that don't mean anything start to be big things. And there's pressure against your foundation or relationship. And then uh, from resentment, it leads to some action. Eventually, then you start to see cracking on the driveway or cracking in your relationship. You start to see the foundation under the weight of the pressure start to crack. And how could that look? It could look like maybe cutting them out right? Doing, doing something else to hurt them, to get them back, because what they did was not fair, not right. It was unjust. They say they were a Christian, but not by their actions, and you get back. Or maybe, uh, maybe you're being emotionally disengaged. 
that now how your, the action is, is you just disengage emotionally. It's just like a stone wall. Or maybe in marriage you decide, hey, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this. And just as that tree started out as a little seedling, unforgiveness starts out, it could be just starts out as a little thing, a little thing, but then over time it can be planted. As the, if that hurt, if that, that, that wrong done is, is not addressed, that unforgiveness causes it to grow. You know, if there's a tree beside your driveway, if there's a little seedling beside, when's the easiest time to get rid of that? Right when it's there. Right when it's that little, little itty-bitty tree, the best time to get rid of it is right then. Pull it out. It's a lot harder to get rid of a tree when it's full grown and the roots are all tangled around the foundation. But that still can be done because you have a master arbor and his name is Jesus. Now, but the best time is when it, right, when it happens right then and there. When that seed, when, they, when they've hurt you, when they've disappointed you, when they didn't meet that expectation that wasn't even, an, uh, uh, that was a really well, clear, communicated expectation, and they hurt you, the best time to do it, to get rid of it, is right now. And how do you do that? You forgive. Forgive quickly. Uh, when someone's done you wrong, you release them and you forgive them quickly so you don't hold on to that unforgiveness giving any time for bitterness to take root in your life and develop be quick to forgive the best time to rip out an offense from your heart or from your soul is right away is right away not letting it lie there of just taking it out right away ephesians 4 26 says be angry and and yet do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a, an opportunity. You know, um, in uh, the passion, or the message actually, it says this. Go ahead and be angry. Uh, you do well to be angry, but don't use your anger to fu as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil any kind of foothold in your life. The scripture says, be quick to forgive. Be quick to forgive because in being quick to forgive that you don't allow the enemy to have a foothold in your life. And the scripture I th think is interesting. It's okay to be angry. Like it's okay to be angry. It's just be angry and sin not. Don't allow your anger to lead to sin. You know, you can still speak the truth in love. You can still set healthy boundaries in love, right? But speak the truth in love. Ephesians, point, uh, uh, Ephesians it points out this, is that uh, when we hold anger, offense, uh, it gives the enemy, the devil, an opportunity, a, a hold into your life. And it also identifies, hey, your spouse ain't the enemy, your friend isn't the enemy, your sister ain't the enemy, your brother isn't the enemy, that person who hurt you is not the enemy. Your enemy is the devil. Your enemy is the devil who is against you. People are not the enemy. And the quicker you forgive, the less time you allow that hurt, that disappointment, that to take root and for the enemy to use that uh, to bring bitterness, resentment, and action. I was reading this article about uh, quick, like being quick to forgive and, and all this. And uh, it was a preacher uh, that I listened to. He, he talked about how 
what he does with his wife is they actually have a game now of, like, who can be the first to forgive so that, like, when they tick each other off or when they really hurt each other, their game is to be the first person to forgive. I thought, that's, that's sort of good. Good for you. Uh, I'll get there. Um, but, you know, I don't think the Bible says don't allow, don't just allow anyone to continually, like, batter, beat you down and hurt you. And, and like, I, I see in the Bible, it does talk about having healthy boundaries, it does have, talk about having godly boundaries and that there are some people that God, God says in his word, they shouldn't be in your life, absolutely. But there are people that God has assigned to your life. There are people that maybe you've chosen uh, in your life by marriage and God has put them in your life. And because they're in your life, you know what? God says this, he says, forgive. He says, forgive. And let's be real, people are people and we can all try the best we can, but eventually, maybe not intentionally, we're going to hurt someone. We're going to maybe let someone down. We're going to maybe just miss it, and they're going to feel it, right? And, and vice versa, someone might do that to us, but we need to forgive. And, but it can be hard. Like, there's no denying it. It's not a blank, like, blank, just forget. It can be hard, Right? Especially if we're trying to do it in our own strength, it can be hard. Jesus says this about forgiveness. In Matthew 18, he says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? There's a backstory about that. Peter was like thinking, hey, seven times. Hey, I'm, before it was an eye for an eye. I'm just saying seven times. I'm holy, holy, complete number. And, and then Jesus says, not seven times. Jesus replied, 70 times seven. He's saying, forgive. He's saying we need to forgive. And this applied in our own strength can be hard. In some cases, it can just about feel impossible, right? To be quick to forgive. However, God is not asking us to walk in forgiveness and not be a scorekeeper in our own strength and our own ability. Romans 5.5 5 says, and this is the hope uh, we will not uh, will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Uh, that's Romans 5, 5, if I copied it right. And uh, in the Bible, there's, there's uh, different types of love. There's a brotherly love. There's like a family love. There's like a romantic love. But this love uh, that's talked about in this scripture is called agape. And this love refers to how God loves us. And agape love is like no strings attached love. That is just given to us, no strings. Agape love refers to the way of treating people that was defined by Jesus himself. Seeking the well-being of others regardless of their response. So that love, God's love, has now been shed abroad in our hearts. We're not supposed to forgive people out of our own love that we can drum up, but out of the love that God has given us. We also have the Holy Spirit in us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, now dwells in you, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right? We're not called to do it in our own. God has shed his love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 says, do everything we do, do with love. Again, it, the same one there is agape. 
the God kind of love. Not in your kind of love, but the God kind of love that is set the standard by what Jesus did for us. As followers of Jesus, we have God's love in us. And in order to be quick for, to forgive, the, I think the only way to do that is to walk in that God kind of love. Thank you for listening to Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We'd love to have you join us a Sunday soon. For more information about Thrive Church, you can go to our website, thrivecalgary.ca. See you next time.